comments out there in the online world. Great that you could be with us too for New Word Bible Church. Uh, the word this morning is Genesis chapter 2, 1 to 9. So here we go. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not, uh, had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Greg. Good job there. Des was going to read for us today, but unfortunately he's lost his uh, reading specs. Uh, I've lost mine as well, but I still do. <laughs> no, no, I haven't lost mine. I just never wear them. Uh, well, I'll try and avoid wearing them if I can help it. Let me tell you about trees. We're going to talk a lot about trees today. Not that I know much about trees, but the little bit I do know I'm going to share with you. Look, you can have trees as big as the Californian redwoods. They can be as high as 400 feet and as wide as 25 feet. You know, you've probably seen the pictures. You may have been there. Anyone been to California? You can drive through them. They're incredible. You can go from trees of that stature to trees. I've got a picture here of the smallest tree. That's a bonsai tree. It's real. Does anybody know? Can anybody guess how, how tall that is? Yeah, good guess. An inch tall, fully developed tree. Incredible. Trees are incredible and, and they're useful. Their structure is that they have a trunk, obviously, branches. It's a fibrous structural material that's got multiple, multiple uses. Here's a question. Why are we talking about trees? Yeah. Well, Sitra, no, you made, you made one out of a tree, didn't you? We're talking about them because... The cross is made of a tree. I know it sounds obvious, but I want to look at that with you. I want to explore with you the wonder of trees and the wonder that God made them. Let me show you Acts 5. Here's what, what uh, Luke records being said. The God of our fathers raised from the dead, whom you had killed, talking about Jesus, by hanging him on a tree. In fact, this is just the first of at least four New Testament references that talk about Jesus being crucified on a tree, hung on a tree particularly. You can see the language that's being used. It's emotive language. 
It's meant to shock. You know, he's been hung on a tree. And so trees, I don't think, I don't think it's an accident that the New Testament writers, uh, beyond the, the fact they wanted to emphasize the point, uh, reminded us that Jesus was executed on a tree. Look, we, we understand, I hope you do by now, typology. Typology is, biblically speaking at least, look, it's used outside of the Christian world, biblically speaking at least, typology is pictures or imagery from institutions, peoples or events that's, that look forward to something else. And biblical typology is all the Old Testament pictures, events, people, situation, structures that point forward to Jesus. It's the most important typology of the Bible. Here's what Douglas Moo, a Bible commentator, writes. Those Old Testament persons, institutions, or events that have a divinely intended function of prefiguring. It's not by accident that the temple prefigures Jesus. It's deliberate. They prefigured. And so within that sense, I want to ask then, I want us to ask, in what sense are trees, or rather, are trees in any sense, prefiguring Jesus' execution. If the temple points to Jesus, and it does, if the sacrificial lambs point to Jesus' sacrifices, and they do, I want to ask and explore with you, do trees, in any significant sense, point to Jesus' execution? And I want to show you the first tree, in the first tree in the Bible, Genesis 2, 9. Uh, ready for us there. In the middle of the garden were, okay, because there's more than one here, but the one we're interested in is this. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life. When we think of the, the Proto-Evangelium, it's the first, Proto is, is from the Greek first, the first gospel. We always go back to Genesis 3 when Jesus, well, well God says uh, to Adam and Eve, that the serpent's head will be crushed. And we see that as a very first picture of the cross, if you like. I want to suggest to you, I think it, I, I think it goes back to chapter 2. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life. I've already said to you, there's at least four mentionings of a tree and execution in the New Testament. Acts 5 and we said it earlier, you had him killed by hanging him on a tree. There's Acts 10. They killed him by hanging him on a tree. Acts 13, they took him down from the tree. Okay, and um, that's the fourth. Is that the fourth? I've missed one somewhere. Okay, and, and he, he, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. I don't think it's by accident. And it's not, let me show you why. So here's how trees work in the Bible. The very first tree is a life-giving tree where Adam and Eve tried to steal. Okay, okay, it starts with this, the tree of life, rather, sorry, it's the fruit, the tree of the good and, good and bad and evil that they stole from. But this tree here is a tree that gives life. At the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, is the very same tree. On each side of the river, is the tree of life. And I want to suggest 
that there's a tree in the centre of the Bible that is also the tree of life. The first one gave life. The one at the end gives life. And, and the cross, Acts 5, you had him killed hanging on a tree, also gives life. It gives eternal life. And so the Bible, if you like, it centers, it starts with the tree of life, ends with the tree of life, and has at the center of the Bible, the center of history, another tree, say the apostles, the tree of life. Genesis 1.11 Says, says these, look, I want you to look at this through creation. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land. Genesis, the way we read Genesis 1 and 2 is, Genesis 1 is the overview, Genesis 2 is the detail, and here's the detail. And the Lord God said, and God said, uh, God made rather, all kinds of trees grow, and the tree of life was at the center of it. When we think of creation, we're thinking of Jesus. Jesus is at the center of creation. He creates trees, it seems. He puts them there in the center of the garden. I want to suggest it's the first picture where all this is going. We know, of course, uh, that God didn't think of the cross beyond the fall. It's not as though... I was, I was once in a prayer meeting in a church back in the UK a few years back. We had these missionaries, and, and uh, he obviously slipped through the grid. You know, that church I was a member of was very particular about who they invited to speak there. You had to fulfill all their doctrinal uh, T's and you know, dots and I's. But the, he slipped through the net because he was a missionary. And he got up to the front and he said these, which in that church would have been like blasphemy. He goes, God wasn't ready. For the, for the fall. You know, God had to think of another plan after the fall. Boy, I thought I said, you, what, you don't say that in a church like the one I was in there. Okay, look, God was never taken by surprise by the fall. And, and look, Ephesians tells us, Ephesians 1.4, before the creation of the world, okay, he destined for us to be holy and blameless. And Revelation 13.8 talks about that the lamb was slain before the creation of the world. God was always ready for the cross. And it shouldn't surprise us is if God puts in creation, right at the beginning, if you like, the means by which he would redeem the world to himself. In fact, I want to suggest the cross uh, was there in the tree, because a cross, perhaps, is the most important element in all of God's plan for the world. Look, if you're an artist, I don't know if there's any budding artists here. I've drawn my hand at uh, painting, like I have in many other things. Uh, it's probably not my thing. But look, here's what I know. If you're painting a picture of the cross, you wouldn't just get a blank canvas and just paint a cross. You'd build up to it. Uh, I mean, what, any artists here? Uh, I'm a, yeah, you'd have a background, Emma. Is that uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong? You'd have a background. You may have some clouds. There's some some you know a peripheral trees, a hill. You know uh, the sun setting or or rising, rising for the cross in particular. Okay, 
And then you do the cross. Even though the cross is a central feature, you may get to it at the end, and then you'd give detail to the cross. I want to suggest that whatever else God did in creation, the planet, the cosmos, he ultimately wanted to paint the cross. Without the cross, he would never have a people who would love him willingly and freely. Let me ask you, why do you love Jesus? You love him because he died for your sins. You love him because he first loved you. You love him because he demonstrated his love for you like nobody ever has and ever will. And so the cross was always in God's mind, ever before creation. Jesus is at the centre of, of creation, John 1.3, through him all things are made, Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him. So I want to suggest, friends, when Jesus says, let there be trees, he was thinking ultimately about a purpose that those trees would fulfill in his execution. When God created trees, when Jesus created trees, he would have had, as a part of the, of the mechanics of what went through his mind, the structure of trees, that they needed to be of, of a, such a constitute that they could hold a weight when a nail pierced them. When Jesus created trees, his mind would have no doubt would have thought of, of how wood, when it's cut, would leave splintered edges. And it was necessary for his torture on the cross for it to be full. It was necessary that wood, when cut, left that mark on it. I want to suggest, friends, that when Jesus created trees, and when he put the first one in the garden there, the cross was already figuring in creation. As close as I can think of this is, if you can imagine if you're an undertaker and you, you, you make uh, caskets, is that the proper term for coffins? Yeah, coffins, caskets. You can imagine an undertaker making his own casket. When he polishes the wood, when he constructs this frame, he can envisage, can't he, that it's his body that would be put there. When Jesus created trees, he would have felt, he would have known, he would have experienced something of the cross. And here's the wonder of it. When Jesus is finally, when he arrives on our planet, uh, the incarnation, it's incredible. What's the trade that he takes for himself? It's incredible, isn't it? Look, isn't this the carpenter's son? It's how you referred to, to youngsters, young men in those days. Isn't this the carpenter? Jesus' father was a carpenter, so Jesus would have naturally trained in that. At the age of 12, he would have been working with his father in the workshop. And it's incredible that of all the professions he could have chose for himself, he chose one 
that worked with wood. In the in the movie, in the movie The Passion, um, uh, there's a scene where Jesus is on the way to the cross and he's having flashbacks. Uh, and one of the flashbacks is to his carpentry shop. And uh, there's a lot of artistic license in the movie, but look, he's making a table, designing a table uh, that you sit at with a chair, you know, instead of a lower level table on the floor. Um, and he, he's fooling around uh, with his mother. I think it's a beautiful scene. And you can imagine the type of affectionate relationship that Jesus would have had with his mother. It was, a, it was an intriguing relationship because, you know, in some sense, she created him, didn't she? It's sometimes we refer to, to women having babies like that. But in reality, he created her. And I can imagine the wonder of this relationship. I think it's a beautiful scene in the movie. But, but I, wonder, I wonder why it was included. And I imagine that the directors, producers knew, understood something of the significance of the fact that Jesus worked with wood and the cross. And so you can imagine, you can only imagine, can't you, that, that when Jesus worked in his workshop, surrounded by wood, actually he probably worked more outside the workshop than inside. He was most likely a builder than a carpenter as we know it, okay? He built properties most probably using wood, okay? So he would have had a shop too. But when Jesus saw, when he cut wood, felt the splinters on that wood, as he ran his hands across the surface of raw wood, freshly cut, and felt something of the splinter of that in his fingers, his mind would have gone and experienced something of the excruciating pain of his back raw, exposed from the flogging of the Roman whip. And he would have experienced, would have understood, sensed, foresaw something of the cross. You can imagine, Connie, when he's in his workshop, when he's joining wood together. And look, I know you're, you've been a joiner, Brenton. There's different, different, several different ways of joining wood together. But as he joined wood together to construct the, the pillar of a house, maybe, okay, he would have reflected on something of the cross. And who knows, maybe, maybe the very way that, that the cross beams of a cross are, are, are joined together in a joinery form, would have been the very ones that Jesus would have performed in his own workshop. And knowing the whole time that that very, that very skill in joining two pieces of wood would be used on the cross that he would be crucified on. You can imagine as he, as he used nails in wood in his workshop, a popular method uh, of joinery, of putting pieces of wood together and hammering them home joining the pieces together, ensuring that the nail penetrates the wood, is flushed to the surface with every blow. You can only imagine a chill through him, down his back, as he would hear and sense and experience something of the cross. 
He was pierced, Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. Hey, the third day of creation when Jesus created trees in his mind would have been something of the cross. When the fall occurred, we don't know how long after the creation of trees, maybe a very short while, and Jesus speaks about, well, God speaks at least, about the, the serpent being crushed. It's the tree that will be the tool of that that Jesus would have been well aware of. When he took, took upon himself his profession by choice, it would have been by choice in that he, he would have chosen Joseph's uh, trade. He didn't know him. And in some sense, in some bizarre sense, it seems that Jesus, Jesus wanted to work with trees. His execution is the, is the most significant thing in all of creation. Jesus invented it. Invented in the sense that it's for his own execution. Jesus arranged it. Jesus planned it. Even down to him working with trees. And ultimately and finally, Peter tells us, he himself, the creator of trees, he himself bore our sins when he was hung on a tree. Hey, the next time you look at a tree, Maybe we'll see something of the wonder of God's creation has gone into that because it's ultimate purpose. What are the purposes of the tree served? They, they, they can be good for furniture. They can be used in vehicles. They can be used for flooring. Oxygen. They give up oxygen. They have many, many purposes. Hey, I want to suggest the chief purpose of trees. The foundational purpose of trees is that they provided the cross for Jesus to be crucified for our sins. Thank you, Ricky. He himself bore our sins in his body. We'll have some sound, please. He himself bore our sins in his body. On the trail of more sound, please. Thank you.